Thank you, Debbie, Mike, Tony, Eddie, thank you for your meditations this morning. You know, over the last several weeks that I've had the opportunity to speak, I feel like God's had a little bit of a sense of humor with me. The first week I spoke on having patience, and you want to know what got tested that next week? My patience. Last week I preached on the different seasons that we have, and it snowed the next day. So what I think I'm going to speak about this morning is about winning the lottery. Actually, I did hear a story. There was a lady one time, she was going through really uh, hard financial stress. And she had just lost her job. And she had prayed to the Lord, God, please help me win the Powerball. Well, Powerball drawing came. She didn't win. Somebody else won. Things started to get worse for this lady. Started to have the... Debt collectors call her house and they ended up repoing her car. And she prayed again. She said, Lord, please let me win the Powerball. I really need this money. I'm getting desperate. Well, Powerball came and went. She didn't win again. This time, things are really getting bad. They're about to foreclose on her home. She cries out to the Lord, Lord, I need to win this money. Please let me win the Powerball. But once again, she doesn't win. Now at this point, she's angry. Says, God, why haven't you heard my prayers? Why haven't you helped me out here? My kids, they need food. I'm getting everything taken away from me. Lord, where are you? And all of a sudden, the heavens part and thunder rolls And the voice of God speaks out and says, My dear daughter, help me out here. Go buy a ticket. (laughs) You see, I'm not really going to talk about the lottery today. But what I am going to talk about is prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. The ability to communicate with the creator of the universe, to put our requests at his feet, to have a relationship with God the Father. This is an amazing gift. But so many times we pray prayers and we wonder, is God even listening? I'm just curious, how many on Friday lost their cell phone service around here? Just about everybody had some kind of cell phone, if you have a cell phone, some kind of disruption. There were towers that went down. And how frustrating is that, to be on your phone or be trying to make a call and the other person that you can't get through or they're just not hearing you? We all deal with that frustration with technology, but do we also have that frustration when it comes with our prayers? We wonder, is God hearing us? And if so, why isn't he answering? Why isn't he coming through the way that we're asking him to? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about 10 things that might actually be hindering our signal, hindering our prayers. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for today and this opportunity to come to you. And Lord, just the the mere fact that we are speaking to you right now 
is a great gift. It's an amazing gift, something that we do not deserve, but you have given to us. So God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be focused on what your word says today, on the things that get in the way, the things that interrupt our connection with you. And may we remove those things and may we seek you with all of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ten things that the Bible says will interrupt our prayers, interrupt our connection with God. And all of these things at one point or another can be connected to the next. It's really interesting when you go through the scriptures to see how things really connect. So the first thing, we're just going to dive right into it. The first thing that we have, which is something that I struggle with immensely, the first thing that hinders our prayers is impatience with God's timing. How many times have you prayed that prayer and you've put that ultimatum, and I need this done by tomorrow, or I need this done by the end of the month, or God, I know I've, I haven't asked you for anything yet, but I really need you to come through right now, and if you don't, then we start to lose faith. We start to question, well, why didn't God care enough? When we're impatient with his timing, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells this story and gives an example to his disciples. He says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. So there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that city who came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice for this dispute that I have with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God, and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even though he rendered a just decision in the end, so don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man comes, how many will he find on earth who have faith? See, Jesus says that this widow was persistent in her requests. She didn't give up just because she didn't get the answer right away. And because of that, this unjust judge, because he was tired of her, gave her what he wanted, what she wanted. Now, God is a righteous and just judge. God knows exactly what we need and exactly the answers that we need. How much more is he willing to give to us? But, and I think Jesus hints at it at the end here, that our persistence in prayer is actually a way of demonstrating our faith. That if we just pray a prayer once or twice and we give up on it, that we're showing that we actually have little faith in him who can respond, who can answer. So be persistent. Continue to seek God's answer until that answer comes. And that answer might not be exactly what you expect, but don't give up. Sometimes when we give up, it reveals another motive, another thing that hinders our prayers. And that is doubting God. 
We pray a prayer and we think, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's too small of a prayer for God. I don't want to bother him with that. I don't, I don't really feel like I can handle this on my own. I really don't need God's intervention on there. Or maybe we pray a prayer that we know that it takes God to handle. And if he doesn't answer the way we want, then we start to wonder, is he listening? Is he good? Does he care? And so we doubt God. James tells us in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, that if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Again, the way we pray reflects the faith that we have in God. Do we pray bold prayers? Do we pray expecting God to hear us and to answer? That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord if they pray with doubt in their heart. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. It is so important that our prayers and our faith match up. And so how do you get more faith? You pray bigger prayers. That thing that you think God has forgotten about, continue to pray. That thing that you want, that you think, well, you know, maybe that's too much, it's not too much for God. Pray for him to heal that family, to provide for that need. God can provide. Pray bigger prayers. But if we don't have doubt in our heart, there's another thing that could hinder our prayers, and that is unforgiveness in our heart. Mark chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your sins. See how belief is tied in there with unforgiveness? You can believe in God all you want, but if you're refusing to forgive someone, then what does that show our faith is in God's ability to forgive? Because God forgives the greatest of sin. There's no sin that God will not forgive except rejecting his Holy Spirit. It's the only thing. So if you're here and you come before God with repentance and you ask him to forgive you, God will do it. But how many of us have someone that we're refusing to forgive? The Bible says that if we do not forgive, how will God forgive us of our sins? We have to show that same kind of forgiveness that we've received from Jesus if we want our prayers to be answered. Which then goes into the fourth reason, damaged relationships. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat the wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So treat her as you should so that your prayers won't be hindered. Now, before I go on with the rest of that text, I find that extremely interesting that God cares that much about the husband and wife relationship. That the marriage relationship, that if there is discord in the home, that that will actually affect your prayers. So that needs to be of top priority for all who are married. 
that there is a good relationship with your spouse. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil, and don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This goes into all of our other relationships now. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you this blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. You want the Lord's ears to be open to your prayers? Treat one another with kindness and love and respect. If you have broken relationships, they can damage our ability to have our prayers answered. The fifth reason that our prayers might be hindered comes from our motivation, our selfish motives when we pray. James chapter 4 Verse 3, when you ask, do not re- you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you have on your pleasures. 1 John five fourteen through 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Now here's the key. Praying according to God's will. Some people will say, you know, just as long as you believe big enough, then, then you'll get anything you ask for. I can ask for that sports car, I can ask for that mansion, and I can ask for every single uh, debt to be paid off in my, in my bank account, and I can just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for all that to happen, and God will answer because that's what God does. But no, we have to pray according to His will. So first, it takes the the emphasis off of us and puts it on God. God, what do you want to have done in my life? What do you want to have done with my family? What do you want to have done with my finances? How can I honor you? Like Tony mentioned and Joey mentioned in Sunday school class, if the first thing we think of is that God is there with us all day, that he is there no matter what, and we think of how we can honor him, that's how our prayers become more powerful and effective. Because God wants his will to be done in your life and in this church and in the world. And if all of us as members, regular tenders, visitors of Hartford Christian Church will seek together to pray for God's will to be done, wow, imagine what God can do in our lives and in our community. Pray for his will, not our motives. Number six, praying alone. Sometimes we spend so much time just us and God that we miss out on the power of corporate prayer. Praying with people in God's church has power. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, about anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Again, you're praying for God's will, not your selfish motives, but you're praying together. You're agreeing with God's people. There is power in prayer that's done together. And so many of us, maybe it's we're embarrassed. Maybe we don't want to let down that guard. Maybe we, we put up too much of a, of a facade. Maybe we're too busy playing church. We, we come in with a big smile on our face, but we're broken on the inside, and we desperately need the power of prayer. But we just refuse to let that guard down, and we miss out. We miss out on the healing and the forgiveness and the strength and the power that comes from being open and honest with one another in prayer, which goes right into number seven, being fake. So many of us, we put on this show when we come to church. And even we try to put on a show before God. Maybe we've convinced ourselves that there's nothing wrong with us, that our attitudes are fine, that there's nothing that we need to change. We just need to come before God and and ask him more. But being fake is one of the worst things that we can do as a Christian. In fact, there is some legitimacy to the complaint about all the hypocrisy in church. Now, there's no perfect person. So that means that every single person is a hypocrite from one time or another. But how many times do we act fake to one another and especially before God? Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Jesus says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they can be seen by other people. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. I know one of the biggest hindrances for people to pray is they just feel like, I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I don't have all the, 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 the right language. And I don't know enough of Scripture. I, I just can't pray. Friends, God wants us to pray. He wants us to speak to Him. And I don't think He's up there critiquing our grammar. I don't think He's up there critiquing how many these and thous and doeths and dusts that we say. But I do think that it hurts him when his people don't talk to him. When we refuse to speak to him because of self-consciousness, shame, self-doubt, whatever reason that we refuse to pray, I believe that hurts him. So pray. Begin with a simple prayer. Just talk to him about your day. If it's easier for you to write it down, get a little notepad and just write out a prayer. Maybe some people that's, that's easier than trying to come up with the words to say. But God wants us to pray and to be genuine with him and with one another. And a lot of the reasons why we're fake sometimes is because we have sin in our lives that we don't want to come to the surface. We have that hidden sin. That's number eight. Hidden sin in our lives. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you. But 
It's your sin that's cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and won't listen to you anymore. God is powerful enough, he is loving enough, and he is caring enough to answer your prayers. But because of the sin in our lives, it's cut us off from him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything that we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. If your heart is condemning you today, if you know that there's something there that needs to be confessed, do it right now. Do it. Say a prayer in your head to the Lord. Confess that sin. Don't leave this place with that same guilt and that same separation that you have from God. Confess it to him. And if need be, confess it to someone else too. Maybe there's someone that you've wronged. Maybe there's that broken relationship that we talked about earlier. But don't let that still weigh on your conscience as you leave this place today. Be restored. Number nine, the ninth reason that our prayers can be hindered is a lack of compassion. See, so many of these things, they come back to a heart issue. We get selfish, we get focused, we have sin in our lives. This one, though, really cuts to the core. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. If you have turned your nose up at someone, if you have refused to help someone who's in genuine need, if you have a lack of compassion in your heart, Proverbs tells us that that will hinder our prayers from being answered. So many of these things we've talked about already, one through nine, basically go down to things that are going on in our heart and in our lives that we need to work on. But number 10 is really an interesting one. It's one of those kind of pull back the curtain and see what's going on behind the scenes type things. Number 10, the 10th reason why our prayers might be hindered is spiritual warfare. Give you a little background to the passage of Daniel we're about to read. Daniel had been given this vision and he didn't understand what the answer was. He didn't know, know how to interpret it. And he prayed and asked the Lord, for an answer and weeks go by and he doesn't get that answer and finally he gets this vision of michael the archangel coming to him and he says he says this daniel chapter 10 verses 12 through 14 he says don't be afraid daniel since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before god your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayers. So the very first day, the very first moment that Daniel prayed, God heard his prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and left him there, and I left him there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns you in a time yet to come. That was Gabriel. Excuse me, I said Michael earlier. That was Gabriel that came and spoke to him. For three weeks, 21 days, Gabriel was trying to bring the message 
to Daniel. God heard his prayer from the very beginning. But because there were spiritual forces at work, we have an enemy in this world. And it's not each other. It is Satan and his forces that try to tempt us, that try to hinder our growth, that try to take our eyes off of Jesus. <coughs> Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. There are forces at work that are trying to discourage you, distract you, and keep you from getting a prayer answered. They want you to give up. But don't give up. Don't give up praying. Whatever that thing is that you've been asking God for over and over and over again, keep the faith. Because maybe your 21 days are about up. Or maybe it's possible there's always the possibility that we've missed something. So many times we look for an answer, and the answer has been given, but we missed it somehow. We, we, we thought it was supposed to come a certain way, and it didn't come the way we expected, and so we thought that God didn't answer, but he did. There's a story of a, of a young man who graduated from college, and he's about to go into the business world, and he had his eyes set on this brand new red sports car. And his family was, was well off enough. He knew his dad could afford it. So he goes to his dad and says, Dad, for my graduation gift, I just want that brand new sports car. And so graduation day comes. And after the ceremony, the dad calls him to the house, brings his son into his study, and he gives him a package. It's a smaller package. And he opens it up and he finds a brand new leather-bound Bible with his name engraved on the front of it. The son looks at that Bible with disgust. He gets angry at his dad and he says, Really? A Bible? You could have afforded to get me that car. And instead, this is what you gave me? And he slams that Bible down and he storms out the door and he leaves and goes on with his life. Years go by and the, the son is very successful in business. He's got himself a family. He, he's making a good life for himself and he realizes that for all these years the relationship with his father has been strained. In fact, he hasn't even really spoken to his dad since that graduation day and he knows that his dad's getting older and he, he wants to try to reconcile. But before he makes it back home, Word is sent to him that his dad has passed away. And that every single thing his dad owned was left to him in his will. So regretfully, he, he goes to his dad's house. He starts going through all of his stuff and, and sadness fills up in his heart. And he starts to regret the actions that he made. And he, he looks in his dad's study and he finds that brand new leather-bound Bible. And with tears in his eyes, he he opens up the pages and he starts to read. And as he reads, a car key falls out. He picks up the key 
And the tags on it are for that dealer. And it's the sports car that he had wanted for his gift. And on the tag, simply read, paid in full. All those years that he spent running from his dad, angry at him because he thought he didn't get the answer, and it had already been paid in full. So many of us spend our lives running from God, separated from him, because of our sin, because of our pride, because of our shame, of our guilt, because of something in our past. And God says, it's been paid in full. If you're here this morning and you have a broken relationship with our Heavenly Father, I want to encourage you to take this time of decision that we're about to offer and return to Him and receive the gift of forgiveness because Jesus Christ paid for it in full on that cross. Would you stand as we sing? Just a minute, please.